So I got this phishing email at work. Yeah, it was it was a kick out where it just said uh, IT, and it was like okay, and it was like your password uh, security it doesn't meet the level for our company's requirements. Yeah, so they asked me to reset it, and I was sitting uh, there and was like, you know what? Yeah, sure, okay. It seems like something my company would do because well, they're really into IT security. So like I was about to click on it and was like wait like two days before i got an email telling me how to report phishing emails so i like looked at like the ad sign of like what's after the email it's like oh it's just a bunch of gibberish like this would totally not be the case you know they do those where they like well like the it department of your company will send out being like hey employees you get like a free five dollar gift card if you click this link and then you click it and then they're like okay we have to talk because you just got fish and it's just like Man, you know, it's like it's from the IT department. You're telling me I got a gift card. Now I got to get a talking to, you know. I bet it was something like that. It was like some test or something. Well, I I guess we get them a lot because the amount of emails that I get from IT being like, hey, be aware, there are phishing emails. They exist. Because you guys deal with like the public a lot, right? Yeah. Like a a public facing, you're trying to get business. So your emails like everywhere. As I suppose my work, we don't get them as much because we just deal with other businesses, so we're not really as public. Yeah. We're not really going to get fishing from, like, Major League Baseball, I Uh, think. Maybe they are. Maybe they need money that badly. Who knows? Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. Oh, okay. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, Clio Name Undecided. Uh, We are... uh, trying something different there still will be uh history podcasts yeah of course you always got to do the history right but we have found ourselves uh stuck every time we make an episode where we ramble for like two and a half hours before we make the episode and then we completely die uh when it comes to making the episode on our ideas because we just dump them all in the beginning recording session before we turn on the microphone so uh this is going to be a little play on that where we're going to capture those thoughts yeah, kind basically, of. instead of uh, being as professional as we try to be on the regular show, uh, we're just going to kind of be able to talk about whatever we usually talk about during the recording, so we can kind of get that energy out there and like use it for purposes, so it's not just sitting around. We must make content with everything that brings us pleasure, including conversations between friends. That's the key. If you're not trying to commodify everything you have fun doing, then you're doing it wrong, right? Yeah. You have to be constantly on the grind, you know. Yeah. We, we got to turn listening to audiobooks at work into a history podcast and then turn our uh, screwing around conversations before making that history podcast into uh, a podcast. So now we're going to have two podcasts that no one will listen to. See, we're kind of enabling it now. It's like we joke about it, but it's like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're fully involved in the system at this point. Yeah. It's like, oh, you like painting Warhammer? What have you thought about turning it into a small business? Like, you're not allowed to enjoy things. Small business? And it's like, yeah, small business in this economy? It's more yeah. likely than you think. Yeah. Well, uh, also, I think the idea of this was also to kind of uh, share our location a bit uh, because we have some big drama to talk about from our home city of Kansas City. Yeah, we we kind of want a soapbox. Not that anyone listens to this because we haven't actually released it yet, but uh, we want to be able to complain about stuff to to you, the loyal listeners. So, who is a FIFA fan? 
I, I I'm not really a FIFA fan to be completely honest, but uh, we are getting World Cup games in 2026. I played soccer when I was six. Yeah, I spent the entire time waving with my parents on the side. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh hey, is there a soccer game going yeah. on here? Huh? Yeah, I mean, at least that's better than flag football, in which uh, our, our whole thing was kicking each other in the nuts. Yeah, over cups. I could run though. Yeah, I could run. That's but, the one thing I could do. But but any, anyway, like forced Gump. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kansas City is getting uh, World Cup games. Yes, and it's, we, it's a pretty big deal. I think it's the largest sporting event we've ever been able to host. Yeah, and we might get six games. That's what the rumor I heard is. But also, I'm not really in tune, and I've uh, not really a big uh, soccer or, in some cases, football fan. But uh, I don't even know how soccer works, so I wouldn't know the first thing about it. But I know it's four years away, yeah. so we don't actually know anything about it yet. No, we do not. All we know is we have to, uh, as a city, keep ourselves from embarrassing ourselves on the world stage, which is going to be hard. It's going to be impossible. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll be possible. No. I think the entire city is going to shut down for like four months, and no one's going to be able to get anywhere, and everything's going to be crowded. And everyone's gonna be looking at Kansas City, and being like, "Hey, why did these guys? Why did these guys get this bid? Like, they can't handle anything." Yeah, uh, everyone that I know that lives on the Jackson County line around the stadium, I work with a few of them. Uh, they're just talking about ever since the World Cup announcement happened about how they're gonna Airbnb their extra bedrooms and Uber during the games and all of that, and just like wow is it literally this entire city is going to try to monopolize off of one financial uh windfall which is actually going to be a disaster because usually it's a disaster for most cities anyway it's like we were saying earlier you got to get that sigma grind say you know oh yeah. the world series or not the world series the world cup is coming to town got to make money off of that yeah. which i suppose is the whole reason it's coming to town but but and it's a shame because uh if you don't live in the United States, you're used to uh, public transit and being able to get around without a car. But uh, as Kansas Cityans and native Kansas Cityans, uh, our almost entire life has revolved around the automobile. Yes. We have to use a car to get everywhere. And if you don't have a United States driver's license or uh, don't want to pay through the roof for a rental car, how are these people going to get around? Because Arrowhead is very far from downtown. Now, what they've said is buses. They're just going to have charter buses going from the hotel to the Truman Sports Complex for like two months, apparently. That, that's just the plan right now. But there's, there's a bunch of hotels. Yes. <laughs> it's, yeah, therein lies the problem, right? Every single hotel in Kansas City is going to have multiple buses just in, like, a revolving circle. Also, like, it's not, like, you can't require people to learn the geography of an entire city for one event. So, like, you can't really be like, hey, you need to familiarize yourself with the existence of Raytown versus Ray Moore or Kansas City proper in KC Mo or KCK. And if you win the FIFA lottery to be able to buy tickets and you're from an international country and you're looking at going to Kansas City, 
for your national team's games, what happened? You, you hear Kansas City, you think Kansas. Now you've bought a hotel by I-70 and KCK. Oh, yeah. What would, oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or you hear that Arrowhead is actually in a, in a town called uh, Raytown, and you get confused, and you end up dying, getting a hotel in Raymore. I'm going to stay in Manhattan, and it's going to be great, because did you know Manhattan's only like four hours from Kansas City? I'm going to be able to see the Empire State Building. It's going to be great. I'll just take a train to and from, you know, because New York has subways, so I can just take a subway. Yeah. <laughs> And then you end up staying in Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, you can enjoy the fun at Aggieville, I guess. I don't know. Um, Home of the, uh, what is it, corn measuring world champions, I think? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but that used to not be the case. Kansas City did have a public transit system and one of the largest uh, in the United States for... Behind only San Francisco and Chicago, according to this article that I just so happen to have open on my computer called A History of Public Transportation in Kansas City from Cable Cars to Buses and Beyond by Annie Jennerman of NPR. This is the KCUR one, right? Uh, the, the, I, local, the local Kansas yeah, City? It's, yeah. Uh, all Things Considered from Kansas City Public Radio. We're I, live and local on KPR from Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, I think KCU, KPR and KCU are different NPR channels. No, no, because it's the same show, all things considered. Oh. oh, okay. It's, uh, it's, uh, there's like three affiliates, but they're all broadcasting like the same thing. Like there's the one in Wichita, there's the one in Lawrence, and there's one in Topeka, I think, which seems kind of redundant because it's like 20 minutes from Lawrence. Yeah. I listen to KPR a lot. <laughs> I, I did go through an NPR phase as well. Yeah. It is pretty wild, but then you end up like talking to people who like don't really care about like the politics of Senegal and then just shit gets out of hand. Yeah. They're just like, I, I, why would I care about the Senegalese wrestling thing? Why are you listening to NPR at 1030? They had, they had one really interesting show about like a car dealer. There's like some guy who owned like a used car lot in like New Jersey, but that was uh, like from like nine years ago, and they were playing around Christmas because they weren't having the show because everyone was home. Yeah, and it's just like wow, this is really interesting radio, and that's about the only story I can remember from NPR. None of them have really been that memorable since. Yeah. Anyways, back to the article. Uh, it might be hard to imagine today, but Kansas City as we said, was once home to the third largest cable car system in the United States. Yeah, and uh, if you ever uh, visit Kansas City, uh, you might see that we do kind of have a uh, cable car or streetcar in existence, but it is uh, one-tenth of what we used to have, and you can go to the neighborhoods of Waldo and Brookside and run along the trolley trail to only see what used to be because that running trail now uh, is a running trail but used to be the trolley line that went up and down uh, north and south Kansas City from the suburbs built by J.C. Nichols and some other people. Uh, Well, Matt, did you know that the very first streetcars in Kansas City were pulled by mules and horses starting in 1869? Wow. Because locally, mules were more common according to historian uh, Bill Worley. Uh, from Metro Community College. He says, The cable car era began in the early 1880s in San Francisco 
and very soon after, Kansas City began using cable cars in the same decade. Now, Kansas City uh, isn't that big today. Like, it's big by regional standards, but by national standards, it's not that big. I can't imagine, like, 1880s Kansas City is uh, very metropolitan, but yet they still have, like, streetcars. Well, so the argument that I tend to have is uh, Kansas City, although might seem a bit, uh, you know, I guess full of themselves or egotistic to declare ourselves the Paris of the Plains, but that was once oh, a I love that, one. Yeah. Th- that was once a nickname of uh, Kansas City, and but the I, city of fountains, the city of fountains, like three fountains. Yeah, uh, I, I think there used to be more, but uh, this city was uh, completely destroyed by highways in the 1950s. Yeah, kind of, there's a large swath of real estate that's just taken up by like. An ungodly big highway that just cuts to the right of the middle of town. We built a convention center over it. Oh no no no! There's two highways that cut in the middle of town. They're about like a mile away from each other. Uh, it, now this isn't a uh, unique problem to Kansas City. It's a unique problem to almost every uh, American city that exists. And if you pay attention at all to any transit or urban planning thing about the United States, uh, this isn't news to you. Uh, we're preaching to the choir. If you're one of those people. And, uh, it's like everybody suddenly discovered this like yeah. last year, it feels like. Yeah. It's like everywhere. Always. Yeah, but like you can um, you can see pictures of w- what Kansas City used to be like. And it's a, honestly a, a shame that it happened, but it did. And uh, there's no real way to uh, kind of fix it. Because now the highways become such a strong institution. Well, it's like everyone's so dependent on it for obvious reasons because it's where all the money goes. So there's you know there's no development anywhere else. Yeah. You know, Amtrak. You know, we just had in Missouri uh, that train derail, which I don't think was anything Amtrak's fault. It was, and I, I've heard it's not really the truck driver's fault because it's like a blind turn. Like, there's no way to know there's a train coming. But it is, like, infrastructure's fault because there's no, like, arm. Yeah, well, why are you putting a blind turn yeah. without a, a level-crossing arm to go down yeah. well, over... What I heard on the radio is because it costs money to put that up and because the private company owns the line. Amtrak's just, like, borrowing it from BNSF. So they didn't want to pay for it. And the federal government's like, well, it's your line. Like, we're borrowing it. We're paying you to use it, right, for Amtrak... But we're not going to pay you to upgrade it. Don't they run freight down it anyway? Yeah. So, like, frequently, if you're familiar with any Midwest tracks at all, you'll see freight trains way more often than you'll see an Amtrak. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I drove to Nebraska, like, two weeks ago, and I saw, like, 40 BNSFs. That's all we have out here, it seems like. Uh, and... Yeah, there's just, like, a country road running alongside, like, I-70 or whatever, and then you have just, like, a dirt track where it crosses the railroad. Like, there's no infrastructure, there's no lights, there's no signal boxes, there's no arms. It's just some dude in a pickup truck, like, well, I hope there's no train coming, because half the time you can't see, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what this is, if you look at it, because infrastructure, no one pays for it. So, people pay for the highway, that's what we use. That's all we have, <laughs> and it's kind of a uh, just a just a monster that keeps on growing and growing because you build the highway, but the highway doesn't stop costing money. 
Yeah, and the population's like doubled since 1960 when we built it. Yeah. The highways haven't doubled. And requires extensive maintenance, mm-hmm. uh, which it, if you push people off a certain group of highways or condense the lanes, uh, you start wearing out part of the other highways because there's always another route to go. Yeah. And uh, if you're uh, for Kansas City, for example, there's basically a big circle around downtown uh, and they closed off the bottom part of that circle. Uh, but you can, well, no, they closed off the top part of that circle to build a bridge. But you go through the bottom part of the circle and you can still get to where you're going. So basically the two highways that's, that segment downtown is like a little like mile by mile square. It, they, they make each other redundant. Yeah. I mean, it's like at this point we've got like... You know, it was fine like 40, 50 years ago, but now at this point we just got rolling road infrastructure because we can't shut the entire highway down for a month and fix it all at once. So you shut down a segment, all the traffic gets routed to a different segment, and it's just like like a caterpillar rolling down the highway of, oh, crap, we have to you know fix it just in a circle, never-ending. And that's where we are now because we've concentrated everything on the highways uh, and we don't have enough money to fix it all at once. And there's no other solution possible. So, you know, you just have to keep fixing it. We we haven't expanded the highways that much. You know, 435 is 435. We haven't built 435 too. So. Well, actually, there's 635. Well, okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> 635. But, yeah, it's just a big issue because roads and they, they, they're not really designed to handle the kind of loads we put on them nowadays. You know, like semi-trucks no. and what now you're gonna get like self-driving semi-trucks that just like thousands of them in one straight line yeah and then just potholes all the way behind them also not knocking uh evs but evs are extremely heavy yeah it's a good point uh also uh in about four years kansas city's about to uh it up the amount of buses on their uh, roads. Oh boy! Which is going to be great. Also, uh, I was talking to my uh, dad the other day uh, about buses because he, I was obviously I obviously want you can't see to expand the streetcar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no way they can build it in four years or uh, at all because it has to go through millions of committees in order to actually. Hey, look, okay, there is a way that we could build it in four years, but. No, not that many people would be for it. <laughs> you just go back to what we had in like the 1900s when we built like thousands of miles of streetcar in like a week. Just no safety standards whatsoever. <laughs> no paperwork. I'm sure OSHA would love that. Yeah, see, that's the issue. No, it, but it, it's not. It's not the safety standards either. It's just. Well, you have to shut down the roads to put in the streetcar line into the roads. And you can't shut down all the roads at once. So it's like the same issue with the highways is we have to have the rolling road closures. And, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I told my dad that all buses in Kansas City are free. And he didn't know that? I don't think I knew that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no. All buses for the... In KC for the Kansas City Transit. Oh, yeah. They passed that thing with the streetcar where there's no more tolls, right? Like, they had, like, some package that went along with it right yeah so the uh yeah the streetcar uh although not very long but very nice and has uh a lot of ridership uh i don't exactly know but i will go to i looked it up the other day it was like uh six million per year i think 
like six million annually. Six million annually. Yeah, off of four streetcars and a city of about a million, which that would be about. Wait, that sounds really low. I think twenty-five million annually. It, it was something around that. Watch me be right. Twenty-five. I'm going for twenty-five million. They have had, according to their Twitter bio, uh, ten million plus rides since May of 2016. Okay. So. Uh, but if we're a what is less than what is it like two or three miles of running? I think it's track? about two miles. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one mile north and then one mile south. Yeah, like in a circle. Of now, it's it's free, so that probably helps the ridership. But it it's shown that public transit in Kansas City can be used as long as it doesn't have. Uh, you know, wheels. Because people don't ride the bus really that much. Yeah. Well, because no one wants to be, you know, that guy that rides the bus. Like, there's a connotation, right? Oh, you ride the bus? Yeah. Where it's like, it's fine. You know, it's just a bus. You know, it moves a lot of people and it runs on a schedule. But it's like, oh, you ride the bus? Yeah. You don't ride a lifted F-150? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well. It's a connotation. I saw on the Twitter today... Uh, some dude in a lifted F one fifty parked over the line for the streetcar and the like the driver or something was taking a picture and the dude had a trailer too and both of them were over. <laughs> and like, yeah, we're gonna ticket them for both the truck and the trailer. That, people do that here. That's awesome. But you know, it, it is cool that really the streetcar like everyone who's like it's gonna impede traffic. It doesn't really impede traffic that much yeah. unless people are dumb and park past the parking line. Yeah, I mean, that that's the only issue. Because it's great. I mean, it runs smoothly. The drivers know what they're doing. They're really good at their jobs. And it's not long enough. You know, it doesn't, I've never seen one get stuck, like, in between a stoplight. And if they did, it would probably be the, like, car's fault in front of them. I think they actually have one of those controllers that can control the stoplights. I think so. I think so, yeah. Like, it's like your... It should, yeah. It's like your future brother-in-law who, oh, yeah. who, who bought the radar. Yeah, he's got the radar detected. Actually... Yeah. We should say this. I don't want to get in trouble, but yeah, he's got the radar detector thingy. Yeah, where it like beeps really loud when a cop's by, and also, huh, light turned green. Weird. Get <laughs> <laughs> it for nine ninety nine on Amazon dot com. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to drop any like names. Oh. You know, somebody called into Dana and Parks the other day. I was listening to it after the Amtrak thing collapsed, and he was just like, "Yeah, no, uh, they should really get. They got these hundred dollar radar detectors on Amazon, and you can get them and put them. In, I got them in my work truck, and they uh, they they tell you when a train's coming. They they pick up the radar, you know. Oh shoot, our computer dropped. And, and it's just like that's very good guy like i don't think that the state of missouri is gonna buy a bunch of those for the dump trucks he's like yeah no it's it's great because uh you know it detects the radar and it's just like why did you buy that like like, what purpose do you need that for you know like it tells you where the cops are but i think it's one of those i think i think he was kind of using it as like oh it tells you where the trains are and it's like no i think it turns green yeah controller i i have Honestly, the state of Missouri buys that. It wouldn't be the dumbest thing that the state of Missouri has done, considering that like they've had uh, a governor that has kidnapped his wife and daughter before, uh, who is still alive and I think is running for Senate. 
Is that Graydon's? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of dumbest things Missouri's done, <laughs> if you want to get really topical. <sighs> who do you think is going to win that Senate race? The the guy who like just threatened to shoot a bunch of people on his front lawn or uh, the guy that kidnapped his wife and daughter? Mm, I don't know. I can I can excuse threatening to shoot someone. But kidnapping... Yeah, maybe not. But but they're both bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it's a scale, right? You yeah. Know, like, like, who who among us hasn't threatened to kill someone in the front lawn, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, oh god, back to what were we talking about? Streetcar. Streetcar. Yeah, we were talking about infrastructure. Infrastructure week. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Uh, horse-drawn carriages, but for mass amounts of people. Um, okay. They had a uh, hundred. They they rose from nineteen or eighteen ninety five. They had thirty one million passenger uh, fare paying riders. Because I, I guess we don't count the people who just jump on the back. And they rose to nearly one hundred and twenty million fare paying riders in nineteen twelve. So, a city of probably less than a million people at that point getting 120 Wait, million riders. So, 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 in the virtually a similar amount of time from 1895 to 1912, they had uh, three times, what is it, three times the ridership of 100 million? Easily, yeah. Because it's 31 million, but. They. they multiplied it by four yeah but their initial uh amount was three times what we have now in yes. 2022 and that's almost 200 years ago it's like 150 years ago yeah and it's just like and yeah sure they didn't have cars but i mean they're getting from point a to point b um and there's yeah uh oh cable cars uh 1912, Kansas City became home to one of the most extensive cable car systems in the country, so getting rid of the horses, uh, not seeing the last of the cable cars until 1912. After that, the streetcars were electrified. Because I don't know the difference between cable cars and electrified cars. But Is, are the cables pulled by cables? I I guess. I, I assume the cable cars meant like cables, like electric cables, but... Oh. The peak of the railway was in 1922 with 136 million fare-paying passengers, it, which it just went down from there. Now, what was happening in 1922 that might have decreased fare-paying riders? Were people buying Model Ts? Uh, people were buying Model Ts, Matt. Yes. Ford and General Motors. Uh the arrival of the motor bus in 1924 introduced a new form of public transportation to Kansas City. In 1925, the first year motor bus data was documented, bus ridership made up only 1% of revenue transit passengers. But then in 1926, the Kansas City Public Service Company took over running the city's public transportation, consolidating ownership of public transportation. The company began replacing streetcars with buses where it would save money, but the change didn't happen overnight, Matt. 
1926 to 1937, data from Kansas Public Service Company reports showed a gradual migration from streetcar users to motor bus users. By 1937, the number of motor bus revenue passengers made up 20% of all ridership. Yeah, it's empty. Uh, the introduction of motor buses was accompanied by automobile, autom- yeah, automobiles, too, and Kansas City was no stranger to the Model T. Do you know where Ford opened their second major automotive plant? Would that be in Claycomo? I believe it would be, yes. Hmm. So, Current Ford plant. Also, they build the F-150. Yeah, aren't they doing the uh, Lightning? I think they're the also doing the Lightning. Plant? Yeah, that's a cool truck. I would never buy a truck, but if I were to buy a truck, I would probably buy that truck or like a Ford Ranger. But the Ford Rangers are giant now, too, aren't they? Yeah, no, you have to buy a Maverick if you want a small truck. Yeah, they're like gigantic. It's ridiculous. And it's not like half the freaking people you see driving around on those things like are using them as trucks. They just use them as like, I have a bigger car than you machine. Yeah, you know? I, I saw a uh, F-250 Super Duty uh, that it was the crew cab uh, or the super cab, the one where you have to, you have four doors yeah. and, and they were like dangling like two bikes over the bed because they didn't have enough bed space. To keep two like two bicycles, and I guess there must have been something else in there. The, uh, so the bed was like that the, short. The, the bed wasn't long enough to oh fit two bicycles and whatever else they had in there. Even though he had like a massive truck that was probably yeah. also diesel, which I hope you enjoy. <laughs> that it's, yeah, because it's not for carrying; it's for the size. I yeah. swear, if these people could buy like M1 Abrams, they would like like because that's what they want, right? Yeah. They don't want a car. They just want something that's larger than everything else on the road. I don't know why these people don't like buses, actually, for that exact reason. Well, because you, you can't drive the bus. You can't be that like <laughs> that, that guy in New York who pretended to be like an MTA employee oh, yeah. and kept stealing buses and trains just to take them on their normal route. God, I love that story. <laughs> uh, yeah, but also they, they do more damage to the road. So like there's like... I've heard the excuse a few times where it's just like, oh, I bought the SUV or I bought the truck because there's too many potholes. I need the suspension. But you're making the potholes worse. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy where you, you buy the bigger, heavier vehicle, make more potholes, and then you buy the next newest, bigger, heavier vehicle. Do you think if we put truck nuts on a bus, more people would ride it? No, I think you just need to put, like, Fisher-Price steering wheels in front of every, oh, like... Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, I'm... it's like the freaking opening of The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie. Yeah, I got that right. It's yeah. Good, so. Yeah. No, and that, that is kind of the, the status of American infrastructure, isn't it? It's just self-perpetuating cycle of decline, where it's like, oh, we got to fix it, patchwork. Oh, shoot, the solution made everything worse, and now we got to fix it. Yeah. Just ever escalating. Honestly, we need, like, we, we just need everything. We just need to tear down all the highways and restart. Just yeah. Like rebuild them. It would probably be better to make everyone drive, like, uh, Route 66 again. I think that's that's the best way to do it at yeah. this point. Well, and it isn't like the, the highways are new, uh, like, using the best source for everything wikipedia the other day i was looking at i-95 i-95 was declared complete in 2018 2018 2018 how is that even possible i have no idea uh i just i knew it was a thing that i-95 wasn't complete because i remember my like uh dad telling me a story from like the 70s where georgia refused to let interstates i don't i know very little about the the georgia battle against interstates uh thing but 
and I was looking at buy 95 for some reason, and it was lead in 2018. And I'm not sure that Georgia was the holdout or some other state or is not really getting it done, but I've been on I-95. Uh, I have at, too. Yeah, and that being completed in 2018 with certain parts of it that are that's older just falling apart is quite rough. It would make sense that it's Georgia, though. I mean, it's Georgia. Yeah. Let's see. Is I-35 finished? Uh, 1982. Okay, so we're good. We're good. I was going to say doxing ourselves, but we've, we've already talked about this. Yeah. So... Okay, okay, okay. Uh, many think of the Model T, this reading the article again, and think of Detroit or the nearby suburb of Dearborn where the primary factory is built, Worley, you know, the history professor before said, and that's true, but they also produced it in 1908 in Kansas City, Worley said. Kansas City was the other Ford manufacturing plant, the only other Ford manufacturing in the entire United States in the time. Unlike the motor bus, automobiles were privately owned and not controlled by bigger companies like the Kansas City Public Service Company, so only wealthy people could afford cars in the beginning. The automobile takeover was a slow process, Worley said, since not many people could afford them early on. It's kind of redundant. Uh, initially, they didn't pose an immediate threat to public transit. Still, it was estimated that the 80% of people using mass transit to enter the downtown dwindled to 50% by 90, 1938, according to A Splendid Ride, which I don't know what that is. I think that's an article he wrote or something. Or is it a book? Uh, eh, it's probably a book. Probably a book. I bet he wrote, yeah, a book on Kansas City Public Transit. Mm-hmm. He just did not actually read that part of the article. Uh, anyways. See, it's like I'm fine. I, I think that's the that's the dilemma here, right? Is you don't want to argue that people should be too poor to afford automobiles again, because it's like a, a uplifting part of a, you know society where everyone can own their own car. And most people do, but it shouldn't be a requirement. You know, you shouldn't have to own a car. Yeah, and because in, cars are expensive. I mean, uplifting cars are probably one of the single most expensive things that anyone will own. Like now, most people can't afford houses. So the majority of your income will go to rent, and then your second biggest expense will be car insurance, a car payment, maintenance you have to do, also gasoline, oil changes, all of that stuff. And a a single car breakdown is ruinous to most average Americans. Yeah, don't I know it? No, it's like... It, it's like I think back in the day it was a lot more uplifting because everybody in general is making a lot more money so it worked a lot better but we still have that issue where like I said I went to Nebraska a few weeks ago yeah you know car ownership is bad for all those reasons you stated but that trip would literally not be possible in this country without a car like, yeah there's no trains that go anywhere near where I was there was a plane I could take a plane but it's a 40-minute drive from the airport. It, it's like I couldn't take a bus. And, and you went to a state park. Yeah, it was a state park. It was uh, Fort Robinson State Park in the very northwestern tip of uh, Nebraska, which is a great state park, but it's just inaccessible. And the funny thing about that is is that that's not always necessarily been the case. Is like I got a travel guide for Yellowstone made by Union Pacific in like the 50s. Where they were offering, ah, you could take a train to, you know, Yellowstone. Here's all the things you can do when you buy a train ticket, you know, go there. Whereas nowadays, you can't even go to Wyoming by train. Like, the entire state. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, people could afford cars way back in the day, like we were talking about. Like that's the great uplifting thing. But they also had to accompany it, you know, great train travel. You can, you know, go from, you know, in all yeah. the movies about like World War II or whatever, like Band of Brothers or the Pacific, you see them riding on trains to go to boot camp, not driving cars. Yeah, yeah, that was the way you did it. So the the car was meant for short bursts of travel or uh, a off into some place that's real rural that doesn't really have uh, access to trains. But if you make every place not access, you can't access trains in that place, then, you know, it doesn't really work out. You're supposed to, for your long distance travel, use a train or, I mean, it soon became planes. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing is the invention of the airplane has been a disaster for the human race because it's just like we would have trains if yeah. not for the airplane because that's what killed passenger uh, transit in the U.S. is just, well, why would I you know, take an eight-hour train ride to Chicago when I could take a two-hour plane ride for twice the price? Well, originally, uh, planes were expensive, and everyone who posts that we need to return picture of, of airline advertisements, one, that's an ad, that's an ad. You don't, yeah. you, you, you take an ad now and throw, we must return, that, 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 doesn't make sense. Oh, yes, honey. I'm going to get in my one suit and tie for this 16-hour turboprop flight to New York City. The- I'm going to be sweating and uncomfortable, and it's noisy, but it's glamorous. Yeah, and, and, and that, glamorous, that glamorous ad you're posting, also that flight where they're getting served lobster tail, that that's extremely prohibitively expensive. It's like the Concorde, yeah. It's like, it's like if... if, if you know, you could take a snapshot of the yeah. 1990s and just were like, yes, traveling on the Concorde is what airplane travel was like in the 90s for everyone. It's like, no, it wasn't. It was like $4,000 per ticket. <laughs> it's like the average person was, you know, sitting in squalor on a plane. Also, what a, like, I just made fun of him, but I'm going to do a, a return argument. It, it, it's kind of... Like, Concord is such a shame because it'll never come back. But, like, we have the technology. It's old technology. It exists. We can do it. Yeah. it, it it's like it, the, the fall of the Roman Empire in which, you know, like, you see this great ruins in, and but, you know, Rome is in the very di- recently distant past. The return and Rome, I see. Yeah, return and Rome. But like it, it's something that was po- that is possible. It's just no one really is going to do it now. Well, it's because you can't fly supersonic commercially over the United States. Yeah, you can't do it, and that that killed it. Is because there's not enough people that need to go between London and New York in 20 minutes to make it profitable. Isn't it like three and a half, four hours? I, I have no idea. I, I've never left the country. I've never even been to New York. <laughs> I'm doxing myself. But if you if you had like la to new york or like inner uh inner uh country travel you'd have a lot more buyers because you know it's like oh shoot i got a business meeting in 20 minutes but uh i could take a four-hour layover in las vegas you know and get like high or something i don't know what they do in las vegas and then go to my business meeting you know you have a lot more demand but yeah that does also get back to trains where it's like the same thing you know? yeah well planes did to the uh rail industry is the same thing that happened to Concord is there just wasn't any demand anymore. But also the, the how often we take short birth flights 
that are like an hour that you could also, you know, take a train of, of if we had faster trains, take a bit longer, but be a bit more comfortable. It's like we're we're right here. We're in what could be argued to be one of the rail capitals of the United States in Kansas City, but freight rail, right? Yeah. We've got massive freight rail infrastructure here, but if you try to take a passenger rail to anywhere, it is hellish. You can't do it. Yeah. Like, if you want to go to Minneapolis from Kansas City, you have to take a train up to Chicago, take a, like, transitory train, and then go all the way over to Minneapolis, and then they don't... Like the one I was looking at, they don't have a return train. You then have to take like a short hop over, you know, to uh, like Milwaukee or something. Go back to Chicago and then go. It's it's like ridiculous because it's like why can't I just go north in a straight line? Yeah. Or it's like those high speed rail maps that always get posted around where it's like this is what the United States could have, and then you look at it and it's like, okay, I want to go from you know like. You know, like Alabama, right? Yeah. Over to Mississippi. It's like a two-hour drive, but you have to go all the way up to Chicago and then all the way back down. Well, and it's like, it's like this is really what we're aiming for. This is the best like we can imagine is, wow, what if it took 16 hours of train travel in the opposite direction instead of just being impossible? The, the, that map that I know you're talking about yeah. uh, annoys me. But what annoys me even more is I was sent a uh, a video. Uh, I don't really use the app that uh, this video came from, so I had to open it on mobile. But it infuriated me. It was a man from the West Coast uh, saying, why would he travel? Like, why would he just not take a plane if you need to get to the... Because he was looking at the map and said, why would I waste all this time going through absolutely nothing to get to Chicago or New York? Completely... Yeah, and it's just like you're completely ignoring the fact that there are millions of people uh, who would ex- benefit greatly from a rail network, and it doesn't have to be isolated to the coasts. That, that's, that's I think, a really good point, is the whole concept of flyover country, just as a concept. Can you imagine trying to explain that to somebody in, like, 1890? Like hey yeah oh yeah you live in flyover country like what it's like yeah no you're you're we just fly over you and it's like well no you know rail okay no you have to travel through me you, know, yeah. you have to see the sights because these people grew up flying from New York to L you know all the places that matter yeah so they don't even know what the middle of the country looks like because they don't you know they fly they don't have to travel so it, it's kind of like the you know it's it's like. Talk about like being cultured, right? It's just like there's no reason to travel there anymore. So it just helps people have a very dismissive attitude towards it when there's like millions of people that live here. You know, we're a city of a million over people. We're getting the World Cup, but you know, we're just fly over our country. And uh, I remember there was a while back, I saw an article about uh, an American Airlines pilot saying uh, that a bunch of rowdy trump fans on the plane he'll drop them off in kansas uh horror upon horror yeah but uh the issue is is that you look at you know sure missouri kansas have pretty radical right politics but also a lot more left-leaning people in there as well uh 
well, a, a small minority of left-leaning people, to be completely honest. But uh, well, I mean, it, it, a it, Democratic it, governor in Kansas. Yeah. Was, you know, it's got to be for something. Yeah, but if you, you know, weren't flying over and you were trying, you were bringing your worldview that you might have from the coasts in, you might be able to, like, this might sound ignorant, and uh, pardon me if this is not a correct statement, but you could, you know, bring a different perspective to people that you would then be exposed to while traveling through these states. Yeah. I think, I think that's part of what I was kind of thinking too, is like, uh, you know, you know, there's like the whole, most Americans have never been out of the country and I'm one of those people, but it's also like a lot of people in like, I'm not going to say rural Kansas because I'm not really from like rural Kansas. so I don't want to speak for them, but you know, like smaller towns or whatever, don't leave as much because you know why would you doesn't really care and you know didn't grow up in the city no interest in going to the city but also the people that would have a hundred years ago gone through those towns simply don't so there's just no exchange of ideas and it's like that might be like you were just saying there's no culture cross-cultural exchange between our own country members and that might be part of like half of the issues with this country is just half of the you know the I'm not, you know, rolling down Route 66, stopping at, like, a small town gas station, whatever, talking to people anymore. I'm just flying, you know. So it's just, like, no one understands each other. Yeah, and I'm, just never traveled. I mean, this could be, once again, another one of those return arguments. And, 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 and I, don't, I don't really like those, and I don't like making them. I don't like them, but, I, but they're, they're so easy to get trapped in. Matt's just, like, strapping on his... Uh, pinstripe suit as he steps into his uh what is it hyundai Sentra sonata every morning we have to return to the way we used to commute you know i'm not going to be caught dead in a train but i'm going to dress nicely at least 107 degree weather you got like the armpit stains yeah sweating my ass off in a uh a cheap suit i bought from some website this is what my grandfather would have worn even though you probably wouldn't have worn that, you probably would have spent money on a suit, and not just went to Kohl's. Yeah, you know they're the ones who made t-shirts popular. Kohl's? No, no, like our grandparents. Oh, yeah. Because they wanted to get out of the suits. Here's hot. Anyways, wait, sorry, what were you saying? You, you were making another return argument. Oh, uh, yeah, I have lost my train of thought. It's okay. I had train of thought. Uh, Anyways, uh, okay, we're like halfway through this article. Uh, uh, trolleys and the battle for the streetcar. In 1937, the trolley bus was introduced, which was a hybrid between the streetcar and the motor bus. The first year data was available for trolley ridership was in 1940, with reports of 9,724,027 trolley bus revenue passengers carried, making up 15% of the total riders for the year. Reports for 1938 and 1939 were not available, but it still only took three years for trolley bus ridership to reach 15%. In comparison, the motor bus did not, <clears throat> did not reach at least 15% until its 11th year of service. Overall ridership of public transportation was beginning to make a comeback following dips in ridership during the Great Depression. Streetcar ridership rebounded slightly with the 1940s with World War II. Gasoline was rationed, so the electrified streetcars were unaffected. Meanwhile, both cars and buses required gasoline to run. That's actually a very good point. It's just like, 
public security infrastructure has taken a giant toll because it's like the 70s with Carter where it's like you have any form of gas shortages and the entire country is going to be shut down because, you know, in the 30s with World War II, you know, you have a backup. Oh, shoot, our cars aren't running. Wow, we can just take the streetcar, the trolley bus, whatever. But now it's like, well, everything's on gas. We have almost no public infrastructure and public transit anymore. So, uh, you know, oh, gas is getting expensive. The whole country is affected, you know, because like World War Two, it's like this world changing event. But, well, we can't use gasoline. OK, just ride the trolley bus. But nowadays with it getting so expensive, it's just like, well, everything is more expensive because there's literally no other option. The comeback, though, still wasn't enough to save the streetcars. A variety of factors, including the growing prevalence of automobiles, construction of new highways, and the migration of people to the suburbs ultimately brought an end of the streetcar. <sighs> yeah. It's like the three horsemen of the apocalypse right there. The growing prevalence of automobiles, construction of new highways, and the migration of people to the suburbs. You know, I... I can't believe I uh, I went to it, but I went to there is the main suburb area of Kansas City that's considered the most affluent area is Johnson County, and they have a small museum that I went to, and uh, the oh you went to Johnson County yeah I went went to Johnson County and then went to the Johnson County Museum, uh, yeah. so you it's just an overview of uh yeah there used to be native people who lived here but then white farming communities came what's what's that they all agreed to give up their land and move away so the white people could take over yeah like uh uh and then it there's like a slight touch of racism of the racism uh that went on both during a dash of racism, a, a dash of racism but really it was just a then the glorifying the suburbs with also another slight dash of racism, which is completely contrasted for the time I went, which they had a little exhibition hall uh, to the side, which was about redlining. And wow, that was intense. Oh, was it good? It it was very good. I'm not sure if they still have it or not, but uh, it was, it like was actually, I guess, telling the truth and it was about halfway through before it got to the suburb part of the actual museum. Yeah. And when you see the the contrast of hardline redlining and uh, the fact, you know, like, oh, okay, a bank's just not even going to lend to me if I'm a different skin color. Or, uh, you know, letters of, uh, you know, you don't belong here. Or real estate agents just not even showing you houses in certain neighborhoods uh, is absolutely and then you're forced to basically live in complete poverty and you're blocked blocked out from even able to improve your neighborhood in any way shape or form causing the dereliction of the entire neighborhood uh, and which leads to people like oh it's the ghetto it's the ghetto it's like no it's it's just because they weren't able to improve the neighborhood because they were financially capped from doing that Uh, but then you you look at that and then you go on and then you look at the regular museum which is very sanitized and it's just like wow this is like because they have an entire like house from like Prairie Village or whatever, which they basically took out and brought into the museum. And you know it was that big. Yeah, well, it's a, it it's a smaller house, but it was also one of the ones made by like KCPNL uh, to because it was all electric. Uh, it was like an experiment house, like but yeah, uh, and 
probably the World Fair or something, right? I don't know. Uh, but it, it's just like, wow, okay, uh, this is really, you know, because like there's like families be like, wow, you like you could buy this for like five thousand dollars, and you could buy the car, the, the uh, Chevy Bel Air. I'd say you buy that for five hundred, and it's like, well, you could do that if you're, you know, white. Well, there's some like level of thread to be pulled that I'm sure people have pulled before about the transition to the suburb and how the focus was no longer on you know you know dense living and it was on spreading out but also it was on you know the bank backed oh if you want to be able to live here you have to be able to get a mortgage right yeah you can't just you know qualify for rent you have to be able to get a mortgage which is a completely different process because you can go up to any guy and be like yeah i'll pay you 500 bucks a month but i'm not going to own it Whereas the focus on like ownership, it, it's good in the sense that, well, you know, you have some form of equity, you have some form of owning house, but it's bad in the sense that it's, you know, like less dense. And also it's a lot harder for poor people to find housing because if you don't qualify for a mortgage, you, you know, you're out of luck Yeah, and nobody, you know, there's no dense housing anymore. So what do you do? Yeah. It's just like, you oh, I, somebody has like a lower income apartment complex somewhere. But then, oh, there's a low-income apartment complex. Well, that's, as you said, oh, that's the ghetto because it's poorer. So we got to demolish that and build luxury condos. And it's just yeah. like, well, what are you supposed to do? It, it's a, I need $100,000 to convince you that I can pay $1,400 a month even though I pay $2,000 a month in rent already. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, the fact that I've been making monthly payments of two times the mortgage isn't enough to qualify I have to instead be able to put a down payment of like 30% down. It's like, how am I supposed to get that much money? Because, you know, no. I'm paying for my car, too. Gas is doubled. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, also, the amount of, uh, at least at that time, at least the time of the article in the 1950s, the amount of uh, low to zero interest uh, VA loans that were out there as well. Uh, and then generational wealth happens where uh, baby boomers, I'm looking at you, uh, were able to be squandered on a uh, small group of hoarders. It's like we had this terrific head start on the world. You know, we're the one economy that didn't get demolished. And what did we do? We, well, we gave money to Europe. You know, we rebuilt. And then we did nothing. We, we, we built highways. We didn't. We got rid of the railroads. We built airplanes. Which yeah. I, I'm a big airplane guy. I like airplanes. But... We we just like it feels like we just did nothing and now it's all going away. You know, we we have the internet now, which is cool. But you know, we, we, there was no significant. You know, we left the cities, which you know we've been doing for our country forever. But it's like we didn't have, we don't have anything to show for it now because you know, like two thousand eight kind of killed that. You know, everyone like the. You know, the golden years are over, and we have nothing to show. We didn't invest in anything. We just gave all the money to old people that are all going to die soon. Um, and, yeah. None of our friends are able to afford houses now, which is great. Yes. Because at least some people in the 1950s made out, like, freaking bandits, you know. Good for them. I mean, they didn't make their kids made out like bandits. Wow. It's okay. Yeah. We still have like half an article and we're almost at an hour. Oh well. my god. Well, okay. I'll kind of skip ahead. They had they sold all 144 streetcars by unanimous vote 
1955. Uh, so that's it. All the streetcars are gone now. Uh, there were only six streetcar lines in existence, which was, I'm not going to say the street names because nobody's going to know those street names. You can read the article yourself. Which, while the decision would save money overall, not everyone agreed with the switch. Hmm. I wonder who could have possibly not agreed with the switch, you know, to get rid of public transit in favor of cars. Who was possibly benefiting from the public transit. Anyways, uh, another article from the Kansas City Times reported on the city council meeting when the streetcar decision was introduced. With about 40 people attending, seven spoke against the decision. One resident who spoke against the decision was Joe Gregg, a University of Kansas City University of Kansas City student who brought a petition with 150 signatures all against banning streetcars. The reason cited streetcars being more comfortable, quieter, and safer. Another resident in opposition, Robert B. Langworthy, said of the people who, quote, spoke for the proposal, none spoke as a transit rider. So everybody was car drivers who probably didn't want to have to pay for, well, I don't use the streetcar, so why should I use it? Uh, a petition and, against the removal of what? Well, there's current. There's also a photo of the of the Kansas City streetcar, uh, in which one actually still does exist. If you're ever in Kansas City, you can go to the River Market, in which there is now a Maiden KC Cafe that is in one of those exact streetcars from that image. Uh, I didn't see that last time I was in the River Market. Yeah, is it, it by the uh, Steamboat Arabia? No, it's on the opposite, opposite side. side? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, it was all closed when I went there, so yeah. of course it is. Yeah. Uh, th- that's, from my knowledge, the only one existing that is still of the vintage streetcar era when Kansas City still had yeah. you know, a rail public transit that wasn't a, a novelty ride up and down Main Street. Yeah, sounds about right. So a petition against the removal of final streetcars was even up to over 11,000 signatures by April of 1957, according to coverage from the Kansas City Times. In that same year, the population of the city was 854,000 people. So there's no real referendum of people signing in favor of removing them, and you got 11,000 people against removing them, but surprise, surprise, they went with. It's just like the constant trend in this country of people being like, well... I do not directly benefit from this expenditure of my tax dollars, so therefore we should not do it, you know? Well, I personally, Matt, don't ride the Amtrak, so we should get rid of it. What's that? So I just pulled up a little statistic. Uh, Later, the next sentence down from the article is... uh, the population in 1957 of Kansas City was about uh, 854,000. The population uh, today, which I pulled up in, in the Kansas City, uh, Missouri, city limits itself, not the metro area, the city limits itself. See, I think this is this, that 854,000 number is uh, the metro area. It has to be because I don't. Yeah, it's the metro area. Oh, the metro area. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. never mind. Ignore my uh, comments. So, I, so he was saying that. He thought that the article was talking about uh, just Kansas City, Missouri's population, but it was talking that eight hundred thousand number. But it was talking about the metro area, which is now what like one point six million. So yeah, it's doubled. So, but regardless of that, um, yeah, there's that trend of people just not wanting to pay for things that they don't directly benefit yeah. from because you know, oh, it's, it's just selfishness and. Uh, well, it, at least uh, 
Casey Moe was Kansas City, Missouri, the city proper was able to uh, semi fix that issue of people being selfish and not actually providing for everything is if it benefits them or not. And one thing I do think shows for that is uh, Kansas City, Missouri public schools are now accredited for the first time in uh, uh, over a decade. And I'm not sure if anyone uh, knows what accreditation is like for public schools or not, but graduating from an unaccredited school uh, in the United States is uh, literally practically worthless. Yeah, which it's just ridiculous that a major public, you know, system doesn't even have like the most basic form of hey, this is legit. But like it, it for a while, if you just wrote "I have a high school diploma" on a piece of printer paper, that was worth more than graduating from a Kansas City, Missouri uh, public high school. Yeah. But now that's fixed; they're accredited again, which rocks. You know, I was just I was having this discussion with my dad the other day about. Uh, public transit and he, he did agree that like that's a thing that you need to fund he, he wasn't against it but it was just the idea of it being like a loss leader right like you lose money on public transit especially the public transit in Kansas City because you don't charge tolls yeah and it's like but why is that a bad thing it's like the same argument with the post office right it's yeah. unprofitable therefore we need it, to privatize it it's like well why and and I brought up to him, well, you know, the military loses money, right? And yeah. it's maybe not the best argument because, you know, you need a military. But I would, we, we need a military, but I also uh, think I need uh, mail and the yeah. ability to get around. It's it's like, well, it's like that with the fire department, right? Yeah. No, you, you know, maybe that's the, you know, argument I should have made, but it's just like, you know, the fire department loses millions of dollars every year but no one wants to cut it because oh well i might directly benefit from that and that that's exactly the thing right is you don't have everybody in the metro area needing the fire department every single year right because every house isn't burning down god forbid but everybody realizes oh i might need this in the future so we should probably fund this thing and that's like exactly the kind of mindset we should have with public transit is well you may not be using it now but when you know in two months when gasoline's twenty dollars a gallon then you would need it wouldn't it have been great to have funded it all those years when you didn't need it so that once you do need it it's there you know that's that's just like the mindset change that needs to happen and I mean, at least Casey got to build the one streetcar because I knew around the time that they were trying to approve the uh, main street streetcar being built uh, they also brought forth the, those plans for what the the north extension of North Casey and then the east and west at the same time, and all were shot down except for what was currently built in 2016. Uh, but and then it took from 2016 up until like a year ago, basically, to uh, show proof of concept. So what five years to show proof of concept if to get another extension? So at, at at that rate, in what 50 years, we'll have a kind of semi competent street line. Yeah, they have uh, on their website all the expansion details of like studies they're doing, and they're saying for specifically the east west because we right now have a if you're not from Kansas City if you're listening we right now have a north south streetcar line that's about one mile as we mentioned going down one road. Yeah. So if you don't happen to live on Main Street in Kansas City, 
uh, it's not that useful. You know, imagine if like the subway in New York was like, well, you know, you got the subway. It's and it twenty like miles long, but it goes down like Fifth Avenue. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you know, know, it it just goes. Close. It just goes down Fifth That's Avenue. It. So it's like, oh, it's great, but it's unusable for ninety percent of the city. And it's like that, you know. Uh, I want to go on a streetcar. What do I have to do? I have to drive my car to a stop or a parking lot, and then stop. Also, uh, fr- from our experience, uh, we both uh, took a Amtrak train uh, to a local yes. town. Uh, in the KC metro area called Lawrence. And uh, in order to take the train to to Lawrence... Um, the national champions of basketball, Lawrence Jayhawks. Yeah, Rock Chalk. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so in order to... We had to go to Union Station, uh, the practically unused for its original purpose, uh, very beautiful, very nice train station that Kansas City has that's now kind of mainly just an event center with a like a train that runs through it twice a day. Yeah, it was like a uh, Depression-era giant public works project. And, you know, it's like the old, like, 10s and 20s of, you know, the 1910s and 20s, I guess I have to say now. Uh, like, giant, you know, expansive, voluminous state that's just completely unused now because we don't have any trains. So yeah, no one's in there. There's, like, two, two, two to four trains that run through it a day but in order i think you're being generous i think there's like one train per day well uh one train that goes to chicago and then one train that is going to uh california is the southwest chief yeah, the one that, the, southwest the, chief. The, the, the one that tipped over in uh yeah, that, in in rural missouri yeah uh so in order to take the train for what is a 45 hour long drive from Not case no, for, for, from kansas city to lawrence yeah, forty-five minutes. It, it, yeah, it's a well it, with traffic, whatever. Forty-five minutes to an hour. No, you said forty-five hour. Oh, no. <laughs> that's, I, 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 that's I'm, what I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, forty-five minutes to an hour yeah. uh, drive. We had to be at the train station to get in the train at ten p.m. Yes. And in order to return, we had to be at the train at four a.m. Those yes. are the only times that are available to go to a uh, college town which would benefit greatly from public transit and has a pretty solid bus network itself but but also like can you imagine the money they would make being able to get all of those college students on a friday night you know not at 10 p.m maybe at like four or five to downtown kansas city well, no, 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 no. It, 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 it's yeah. 10 p.m. leaving from Kansas City to Lawrence. Yeah, no, that, it, that's what I mean. It, yeah. Can you imagine if they had, like, say, yeah. a trolley line or something? Or it's yeah. going the 45 minutes, you know, and, oh, you, you know, and then you come back drunk the same night without yeah. having to wait till 4 a.m.? Granted, it's better going the opposite way. So if you, uh, I had a friend who lived in Lawrence and uh, wanted to come see me in Kansas City, uh, so he took the train uh, at four in the morning and yeah, went back, but but went back at ten p.m. So it's more convenient from going from Lawrence to uh, Kansas City. But then again, like you can't really use that for commuting, can you? No, I mean if you have a job, it's like who's going to get up at four a.m. and then I guess just hang around Kansas City for like six hours after work. Yeah, you go to bed at ten because you go to bed at ten. And then you have to wake up before the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so you get like six hours of sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid. But hey, at least we got, the, I got the East West expansion plan pulled up. This is the only zone where they're allowed to study for, which you guys can't see. But uh, it's basically uh, 
just south like downtown kansas city by like 39th street 35th street there's like ku medical center complex they're effectively planning to probably go to the truman sports complex for your uh super bowl 54 winning chiefs uh royals okay well for business purposes i feel like 39th is a better street but also why is it just that area why can't you run it down both 31st and 39th because they only want to it's like five billion dollars and they only want to build one line and as you can tell the whole idea is just getting people to the truman sports complex I, I think that's the only plan everything else is just a happy coincidence oh you, you just so happen to but it, it's entirely just truman sports complex focused yeah. Using the line that they're currently building going south. Man, Kansas really needs to get in on this. Can you imagine going west to the Legends? Just like going all the way over to like a Sporting KC Park? That would be a good expansion. That would be pretty sick. But then, you know, Missouri and Kansas would have to work together. But, uh, yeah, no, and that's going to be probably 2028 when any east west because i think the north south extension is you said what 24 26 25 yeah i don't, I don't exactly know whenever they finish the uh new airport which uh i think that's this year is it yeah, next year I I, I I i don't know but i i'm just really excited to fly to the new airport hopefully hopefully it's not it's better laid out but also they keep uh the tsa security around the same because although uh, the current uh, Kansas City Airport is absolutely atrocious for any uh, flyers whatsoever, at least security is practically like you can just get through it really quickly. Yeah, compared to like Las Vegas or something, like they can't actually fit that much security in Kansas City International, so it it like really limits what the TSA can do. Yeah, also I'm pretty sure most people uh try their hardest to avoid flying out or into yeah. into into Kansas City's airport because it's just it is atrocious. It's, it's horrible. Like it's not as bad as probably like LaGuardia or something. Well, it's, because because it's like look, I I feel like the TSA guys there have to deal with a lot more. Y- yeah, so TSA guys in general are assholes, but they but, you know have a lot more to deal with than Kansas City but LaGuardia like although a awful airport has received improvements and uh also is a bit more intuitive and uh friendlier you mean it wasn't designed by TWA in the 1970s yeah um yeah. Well, I'm sure Kansas City's airport uh, was wonderful pre-9-11. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it would have been great pre-9-11 because you, like, roll up and then, like, the terminal's right there. It's yeah. Because like, that's the whole thing is it's, like, a giant half circle and it's, like, you know, 40 feet wide. And that's just the entire thing. But it's great because, you know, you just walk right up to the plane, whatever, because it's designed to you arrive 20 minutes early and then just walk onto your plane, like, half drunk probably. Not... You know, you arrive two hours early. There's no accommodations in because there's no space for anything. There's no restaurants. You, you you have to leave the TSA secured area to go to a restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, Atlanta, that's a great airport because they got like they got like a little like 
I, Subway train. I, I have been to Atlanta once, and I had a 45-minute layover in which I had to cross from one terminal like to like the one on the exact yeah. opposite side. And uh, I didn't pay attention because I was just in sheer panic speed walk. Well, they got like the moving uh, floors, and they got the... Uh, yeah. I think they have like a little tram, too. Like if you have to go come clear across like the little airport trams, yeah. it's just cool. I don't get out much. Yeah, a, a nice airport though is Chicago Midway. Chicago Midway's oh, yeah, I've been a, a, to that one too recently. Yeah, very, very comfortable, nice, small. So it's just a, it's a square and it has like a little like a large little atrium area yeah, with like they a, rescheduled our flight from one end of the airport to the other end, so we had to walk along the entire like outside square of the airport. We arrived like ten minutes before the flight because they they're just like, you know, attention passengers, flight twenty two is now on the opposite side so you all have to walk all at once <laughs> try to find where the terminal is we're the, not going to tell you the big horde yeah and then you're like half you're walking down the little moving pathways and half you're just yeah whatever i'll just walk yeah we are over an hour we're at all right hour yeah and 11 l- 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 we should probably end this l- l- let's wrap it up okay okay anyways uh 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 read the article a history of public transportation in kansas city from cape cars to bus and beyond we will probably tweet it out it's annie gentleman it's a pretty good article i mean it's nice and short we didn't get through it in an hour but we got through most of it read it we'll post it somewhere uh, we don't have a name for this, but I think the way we're going to do it is I'm going to set it up on a separate feed from the regular Clio History feed. So if you don't want this, don't subscribe to it. But if you do want it, it'll be separate from the regular Clio History videos. So you can like pick and choose what you want, right? Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. Okay. So I've been RC. And I've been Matt. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will catch you on the flip side. <laughs>